Hey everybody, before we begin today's episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, let me tell you about all the platforms you can find the podcast on. Not only can you find us on Anchor, but you can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. All the links will be in the description of every episode. So let's get into this episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Wrestling Podcast for Wrestling Mutuality. If you're watching from the YouTube channel, thank you. Make sure you hit the bell icon and subscribe. Here we discuss wrestling in a realistic point of view. Last night's Raw was very good. Every, it seems every other week the Raws are phenomenal. Uh, every two weeks. And last night was the case. Raw in Madison Square Garden, or the garden as everybody did a cheap pop for to call it, was a very good Raw. This is my review of the show. So Raw started off with a awesome, it was a good contract signing segment. Uh, something I said last week in my live stream on my, my main channel is that these contract signings are a little bit... Um, uh, nonsensical. It's a one. Of, it's one of those gimmick things that WWE does that no one really believes in. You're trying to tell us that you have a match coming up in seven, in six days, and there's no contract signed, no payments like payment payment types getting ready and all that stuff. Just six days before the match, you finally have the contract signed. This is something this that WWE does. That I don't believe in. Um, I just think it's stupid, and WWE thinks the fans are just clueless and stupid, and everything they do, opposed to like, oh, that's very realistic. You don't have a contract signed six days before a match. I've never believed in the contract signings. All these contract signings either say is that someone's going through the uh, table that they used to sign it on, or that it's going to be a nice ball. And the latter happened here. Stone Cold Steve Austin was the contract signing mediator. He made sure the law it all went down accordingly, quote unquote, and that um, business was taken care of. He came out to a huge pop and went down memory lane. Now this promo, any promo Steve Austin does to this day still is phenomenal. He still has the chops to cut a promo. He um got a little tongue tied in his promo, but Steve Austin he fixed it up. You wouldn't you wouldn't notice it if you weren't listening to like really in depth listening to his promo. He's talking about how he faced um how he faced Bret Hart at the Garden and how um he faced Undertaker here at the Garden and it's very it was a very good nostalgic memory lane trip. I really enjoyed that. But he brought Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins. And Seth did your very, very typical baby face. He mentioned the garden and Steve Austin in the same promo and got double the double the cheap pops. Um, but this segment was just a contract, typical contract signing. Um, Seth cut a little promo on Braun and then signed it, and Braun cut one and then signed it. Then the OC came out. <laughs> Again, shocking. AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows came out. And this was a great um, promo by AJ. He did a Steve Austin impersonation that was, I think, was top notch. 
It was very good, a very good Steve Austin impersonation. And ended up, he was talking down how Steve's an old fart and made jokes of that. And how, that, how every, basically everybody, everybody's an under, underthought compared to Seth and Braun, which I admit is true. It seems like the focus is on Seth and Braun, really no one else. Um, they got in the ring. And um, they brawled with Braun and Seth. Braun is typical um, rampage, running around the ring and knocking everybody down. And AG Styles ate the stunner from Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Steve looks to be in great shape. It's been rumored, I've heard, it's been very soft rumors as of maybe the last couple of weeks. But Steve Austin is rumored to be returning to WWE as a, a wrestler. I'm assuming on a part-time basis. And he looks to be in great shape. He's just, he looks like he's, he's Jack. He's been working out. You see his Instagram and stuff. So he's getting prepared for something. I figured it was to stay up to par on his TV show, um, Straight Stone, Cold, Straight Steve Austin. I figured it's for that. But it's being rumored somewhere that he wants to return to WWE for a stint. Um, but this opening promo, opening segment with all the, all the guys was great. Um... And AJ, I could not get over Steve Austin impersonation. That was very funny. And um, it does. He is right. Everybody is becoming an underthought. Literally, everybody on the roster is an underthought to AJ and Braun. Um, but this, that was the first um opening segment, first match. I did not see. I know it was a Cedric versus AJ of the AJ Stunner. Yeah, I'm going to assume Cedric won for payback. Um, it, was a good, it was a good storytelling aspect. AJ was kind of reeling from his stunner, so Cedric took advantage, which is cool to see Cedric, the best of case. That was cool. The first match I saw was Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair versus Bailey and Sasha Banks. You got Sasha and Becky fighting at a class of champions and Charlotte and Bailey in class of champions. It was odd seeing Lynch and Flair on the same team after all they've been through the last couple of years, but I guess it makes sense since both the, of the opponents are teaming up together, so it makes sense. This match was phenomenal. I think it was a very good match. Only issue I had this match with Charlotte Flair went for a moonsault, and it was the weakest, the softest, the safest moonsault I've ever seen in my life. She went to do the moonsault and little laid on her knees, Opposite um, Bailey, then just flopped on her. That was the worst moonsault I've seen in my life. And Charlotte was known to have some good moonsaults, <clears throat> but here lately her moonsaults have been trash. She's been doing them too safe, too soft, and they're not looking realistic. She needs to just give it, give it all into this good moonsault. But here, well, that was very botchy, and I watched the botch guy every time he posts a video. If he if he doesn't react on this, I'm be surprised. That moonsault was weak. But the match, nonetheless, was a very, very good match. Very fast-paced, physical match. It was a good match. I enjoyed besides that moonsault spot. If it weren't for that, it had been a very, very, like, a phenomenal, like a phenomenal match. I call it phenomenal, but it's probably, I would say it was just a great match. Because that moonsault was terrible, so I can't call it phenomenal thinking about it. So go back and watch that moonsault. It was, it was nasty in a bad way. But nonetheless, the match itself as a whole was an awesome match. It was a uh, good to set up um, Charlotte beat Bailey, and then they made oh oh Charlotte beat the champ. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, 
they're not at Bailey's not at that level yet. Well, you can't be surprised. Charlotte Flair beat Bailey. If Bailey beat Charlotte, if the worlds were first, maybe. But Charlotte beating Bailey was not a big deal. Was the commentators made it look like it was? But it's a good momentum boost for Charlotte going to the class of champions. <clears throat> Next up, they had the OC talking to I can't remember, I don't even know her name. The uh, they call her the wannabe wannabe Charlotte. I think they call her. They're making fun of her. And then Rudolph is Russell Talk calls them. Robert Rude came in and said, Hey, we have a common enemy. Let's take care of business, basically. And this shows, I forget all the time that Rude, uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Rudolph are no more contenders for the tag titles Sunday. It would have made more sense to book Gals Anson in maybe like a rematch because they lost the titles to them. But I know they say no. The McMahon said months ago, no more rematches. Um. But this, in this case, it would have made sense. Because it seems like Dolph Ziggler and Robert Rudolph just ride the coattails of the OC. And getting nowhere in return. So I, they booked this backwards. Because you're focused on the OC more than Dolph and Robert. And it shows that they are just here to make Braun Strowman look good as according to reports. There's the only reason they're in the match is because they bump for Braun very well. But in recent weeks... Alec Gallows and Anson's been bumping for Barn very well. So I, I would have just put them into the match. I still would add it into a triple threat tag match maybe Sunday because they've been focused on the OC way more than Rudolph. And they, I love that they've called that. <laughs> it's so funny. But yeah, they're after, they become the afterthought like everybody else is in regards to the Rollins Barn feud. And that's not good. Looking, looking back here at this whole roster of people, you're a little focused on maybe. Two, pe- two or three people. So that's a little issue right there, I've noticed. Um, even though I'm dogging on this opening stuff a little bit, this ho- this, ro- this stuff was very good. There's some minor issues and some things like I've mentioned and some oversights, I feel, on WWE creators' parts. But nonetheless, this Raw was good. Don't get me wrong, this Raw was fantastic. I'm just giving you the good and the bad because it wasn't perfect. It still had some issues. And then the next match was Rey Mysterio versus Grand Metalik. And this match was very good. This was a good Lucha Libre showcase. And uh, I like Grand Metalik here. He's not had a chance to shine like this on 205 Live, to my knowledge. He's done pretty good flippy stuff and all that. But here was just your tech- technical, fast-paced Lucha Libre match. It could have been a little bit faster, I think, for these two guys, um, especially being a Lucha Libre style. It could have been a little bit faster, but um, this match was very good, I think. It showcased that Ray still has it. That's the storyline going forward. Is Ray can still go and go with the best of them. So this will probably, he'll probably end up being the universal title picture in the future just to but keep going with this storyline that he still has it and can go with the best of them. So I hope to see him but Seth down the line. But this match was very good, a good match. Ray won with a six one nine Fox Splash combo. To be for a very good match I like what they're doing with Ray. Hopefully he'll be going up against like Kalisto and uh Lindsay Dorado, even maybe Ricochet in the future. Have him go against the young and upcoming talent and help them shine in defeat. Cause um Grandma Talik looked very good here and very, very um, was put over very well. Um, 
when's the match league going forward? Nowhere probably about the 205 Live and the new Lucha House Party things. But here he looked like a viable threat to Ram Studios as far as keeping this momentum for him going. Match League had a very good show in here. I wish they'd push the Lucha Libres a little bit more and they'd be more prominently besides Ray. Because you got uh, Lindsay, Grandma Talik, Sin Carl, who's injured. But I just wish they'd push the Lucha Libre stars a little bit more heavily because the Raymond Steers what got me into professional wrestling when I was a child because I loved watching him do his flips and dives and 619 was my favorite movie of all time as a child. So Lucha Libre wrestlers and Derby have stayed. They can draw in young fans, um, kids, and all that stuff. Which they did that to me. I just wish they'd be featured more prominently in today's television. <clears throat> but this match was very good. Um, I just managed to have a typical Street Profits, hyping up what's happening, what's going to happen. I love the Street Profits, and they're good on NXT, and they have the NXT nameplate still and all that. And I wish they would debut on Raw or go back to NXT. So I like what they're doing. I like their hype segments, but they were way more just hype pieces. They were such, so good in the ring, very good in the ring. Their match at the last takeover was phenomenal. Montez Ford is just tripping charisma. And they're literally just doing the hype on Raw, and that's it. They could be very well utilized on the Raw tag team scene. Them versus the Viking Raiders, them versus anybody would be a good match, I think. <clears throat> but it's, it's um, assumed that they're staying in NXT because of NXT on USA. So it's fine, but they needed to stay there. Don't be having them hype, and that's it. While that's enjoyable, I want to see more from them on the main roster. Not just them hyping up. Because Montez Ford drips charisma. And so Dawkins is a good backup piece. But Montez Ford is staying out as the, as the charismatic piece of the puzzle. And you got Angelo Dawkins, who's the strength. And he's also very agile, too. This team together, this is a very good team. And they need to do more on the main roster than just be hyping up the show. Because they're very... And it seems that they keep teasing that they want to debut just about some things they're saying. I can't remember what they say, but they have like serious moments where they're staring at the camera like, we'll come for you, and um, type of type of feeling, but they don't do nothing. So I just wish they'd be utilized better on the main roster and stay in NXT where they're at currently. <clears throat> anyway, next match. The hype was great, though, nonetheless. The next match was the King of the Ring, I think it was semifinals. You had Samoa Joe versus Ricochet versus Baron Corbin. This match was the match of the night. Baron Corbin had a match of the night last week with Cedric Alexander, and this match with Ricochet and Joe was just phenomenal. It was an epic match. Um, all three of these men matched very well together, very, very well together. Um, the ending was brilliant, in my opinion. You had um, Ricochet hit Samoa Joe with a 6.30, a very... Um, poorly executed 630. It looked like he didn't land it all the way like he wanted. And Joe might be injured from this, but Ricochet hit the 630. Ben Corman came in and pushed him out of the ring, basically, and then took the pinball and won. So, Ben Corman's going to face either Chad Gable or Elias. I'm assuming he's going to face Chad Gable being a heel. But this match was incredible. Like I said, Ricochet's Ending 6.30 was was poorly executed a little bit. Seems like he didn't get all the um, momentum he wanted for and landed kind of uh, weird. And um, after the match, you saw trainers checking on Joe. 
Hopefully he's not injured or too or too badly injured. But this, this match was a match of the night, probably of the week. Fantastic. Next match was Lacey Evans versus Natalia. Again. And they're talking about how Nat, Natty wants revenge. I'm not sure what I missed, but literally all they did last week was have a good match. Lacey beat her uh, straight with the women's, women's right. Why she won't revenge? Because she lost. <laughs> but this match, too, was a very good match. I'm not going to knock it. Very good match. Despite being um, the second time these two fight, Natalia taps out Lacey Evans. So now these two are one win apiece. This will probably go on to the classic champions as a pre-show match where you have um like the best of three series type of thing. Um where I'm hoping Lacey wins and gets the rub for that. But making her tap out last night was a poor choice. I would have just submit uh pinned her. Only made her tap out if she if I was trying to build her up to be a viable threat. Because she's been having a good match with Bailey and Natalia as of late. She can handle her own. But having her tap out, I think, was a poor choice, in my opinion. But um, the match itself was very good. Natalia and Lacey are now one win each. Curious to see where they go with this. So, I would say it might be like a Seamus Cesar type of thing. That um, these two end up fighting so much that they get respect for each other and all that. They end up putting a tag match. And they end up becoming uh, women tag team champions, potentially. That'd be a cool team of Lacey and Natalia, I think. So maybe that's where they hit with this type of thing. I don't know. <clears throat> Next up was um, they had our truth segment. No, 24-7 championship segment. Um, it was him with some um, basketball player. I, I didn't catch his name. Um, he ended up basically showing up here in Boston jersey and got heel heat. So he turned here on the on the crowd at Madison Square Garden, Manhattan, and and also come out to celebrate like uh, tout with him. This is before he took off his shirt his jersey, by the way. But he ended up getting uh, like shoved down the floor by the by the player and pinned for the title. And then like a second later, he gets rolled up again. He takes off and shows his new jersey and gets booed. He gets rolled up and. Archie is now like your 16-time champion. We were joking in the Xbox Live party last night. Again, if you want to join the chat, add me at tbug six seventeen ninety four on Xbox One and join the chats for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, and pay-per-views. Um. Anyway, we were joking that um all these years it's been we've been thinking John Cena's gonna be Ric Flair's title title number of 16 titles. Because John's at 16-2, I believe. And we're like, no, it's all truth. He's going to be the goat. He's going to be the one to beat Ric Flair's title numbers. So he's at like 15 or 16. Uh, from a championship reigns himself. So we're joking. Like, he's going to be the one to beat Ric Flair. That was stuff so funny, I thought. <clears throat> the main event match was a 10-man tag team match. You had Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins, Cedric Alexander, and the Viking Raiders who turned face, apparently. Versus um, the OC and Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. This match was very good. It was kind of slow to start, I think, because the crowd was doing the typical things they do in that hype, hyper and boring. They were chanting people's names, doing the wave, um, stuff like that. So you could tell that they were kind of getting burned out and tired by this point. Um, but they were still hype. This crowd was hype throughout the whole show. They made the show look so important. Every match will be so so important 
Um, but the crowd was great here in Manhattan. Um, and this match, it was a type of style slow. I picked up immensely as it went on. Braun Strowman's high tags were are still the best thing going. Bargain's tag, he deserves to be looking at everybody. Um, and it was an awesome match, but the ending of the match, the ending of the whole show was legit, super rushed. It made the, it kind of killed the whole ending of Raw for me. You legit had, I think, um, Seth one, I can't remember. As soon as the one, two, three hit, Steve Austin's music hit, he literally sprinted down the ring and got like seven, eight beers and tossing all the faces and they beer, um, did the beer break together. And they, that's in the end of the show. You can tell how it was super rushed, because like I said, as soon as three hit, Steve was already, his music hit, and he run down the ring, and it was super rushed. Um, felt like it, like how SmackDown's been feeling for the last few weeks for me is, if it's a, if it's a minute before the, the ending, it's all up in the air rushed. That's how this felt. Uh, they could have timed this to where the match ended, like maybe three minutes before 11 p.m. EST here. They could have had a way it ended three minutes before the match, so they had plenty of time for Steve to come out of the fun entrance and enjoy beers with the faces. But this ending was super rushed, and it kind of made the point of the segment to fall flat. flat. It made it fall flat. Um, am I looking forward to Braun South Sunday? I am. The WWE's done a pretty good job of getting me invested in that. Um... But Steve's involvement in the show, I think, helped a lot. It was good to see Steve Austin. Like I said, AJ's impression of him was spectacular. It was very funny. Um, the show, out of five stars, I'd give it four. There were some issues in the show, because not every show is perfect. <clears throat> the worst part of the show was that Charlotte Moonsault, I swear it was. That Moonsault was cringy. I'd watch it if I was you. But the show was a phenomenal thing. Very good show. Um... It was the type of route that was so good, the time flew by so fast. Um, it was just a good show. Let me know in the comments below what you think of the show. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Why or why not? Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like us, TV the Iceberg Grassland Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for watching. Tune in in the morning for my SmackDown Live review. Um, hopefully, starting next week, I can do live videos. We'll see how my schedule goes. But if not, there'll be a pre recorded like this. Or on camera, my camera's having issues today, that's why I did audio. But thanks for watching, guys. Let me know what you thought about the show. Subscribe to the bell icon. Like us on Facebook. I'll talk to you guys later. <coughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Wrestling Podcast slash YouTube channel. Where wrestling meets reality. Thank you for tuning in today. This episode's going to be my review of last night's SmackDown Live. So, the show was underwhelming in my opinion to be the go home show for Clash of Champions it felt between this and Raw while, while Raw was good Smackdown was pretty good um to be the go home shows for the respective brands for Clash of Champions neither show felt like a go home show I feel like Clash of Champions is next week or the week after, not this coming Sunday. And speaking of that, later this week, I'll be doing my Clash of Champions predictions episode. Um, and that'll be in this format probably as well.
because I'm having some technical issues with my camera. So for the foreseeable future, um, hopefully by next week this will be fixed with the live stuff. Um, I'll be doing audio like this only. Um, thanks for listening on the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, hit the bell icon. Um, if you need uh, the podcast form, make sure to subscribe or uh, whatever it's called to the podcast on whatever streaming service you listen to the podcast on. I'm available on Spotify, Stitcher, places like that. Um, I'm going to start uploading these to the um, podcast. I've been focusing on the YouTube channel more than um, the podcast. I'm going to try to start balancing that out in the near future. But enough about that. This episode, like I said, was um, pretty underwhelming to be a go-home show. Like I said, if the Classic Champions was next week, then this show would be higher praise for me. But I feel like this did not really sell the Classic Champions card. Between this and Raw, both, I'm not really sold on the Classic Champions card. Um, there's a lot of factors. I'll talk about that in my predictions later this week. Um, but yeah, this was a poor go-home show. It seemed to further a lot of things beyond Clash of Champions, which I guess is good, but it doesn't make the show itself worthy to watch, in my opinion. So, the um, opening segment, it was just Undertaker coming out, talking about how um, Madison Square Garden had some of the greats, and how we're in the new era of superstars. And this makes Sami Zayn come out and literally try to talk trash to the dead man. Tell him to leave the ring, this any other. That's what that's the gist of basically how he's the best thing going. He gets a choke slam into for his troubles, that's it. So that's the heavily teased, um talked about Undertaker appearance with SmackDown, Choke Slam, Sami Zayn, and that's it. Now, a lot of people was expecting The Fiend to come out and um, attack the Undertaker, and I was too, I admit, but that didn't happen. I'm not holding that against WWE because they didn't advertise The Fiend. That was just pure speculation on fans' parts, so I'm not holding that against them. They didn't, they didn't like to advertise The Fiend, and he didn't show up. So, this was a, it was a cool Undertaker appearance. Um, um, I don't know when he's going to come back next. That type of thing. It was it was a random appearance just to sell MSG tickets. And that being the case, this if I bought a ticket to see the Undertaker, this would be pretty, I guess, mild like neutral. So I wouldn't expect Undertaker, I wouldn't expect him to get too physical, but out of all the people he <laughs> um chose Slam Sami Zayn. So the opening was good. It wasn't I wasn't crazy about it, but it's cool to see the Undertaker back again. Um so that, yeah, it was just cool. And then the first match we got was The Miz versus Andrade. I, this was with Shinsuke Nakamura without Sami Zayn on commentary. And this match was fairly good. I like this match. Um, Andrade here lately is having no bad matches. He can go with anybody, I think, as far as currently. He made The Miz look very good. I didn't see the ending of the match. I, I don't know if my um, Sling TV I used messed up or what, but I didn't catch the ending. So, who won? I'm, I think that, yeah, the Miz won the Skull Crusher finale. There we go, I remember. Like, and Shinsuke attacked him after the match. For Classic Champions, the Miz versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the IC title, I'm not invested in. 
Um, my prediction, my early prediction for that match is The Miz is going to um, capture the title. And I think Shinsuke and Sam would be better as um, chasing the title than holding the title if they can push that act. Now, I'm not too... Um, this, this could go 50-50 in my opinion. I discussed that more in my predictions later this week. But um, whoever wins this match, the fuse will keep going. Basically, so I guess this is my opinion on that. Um, after this match, we had the most underwhelming match of the night, in my opinion, was Mandy Rose versus Nikki Cross to help build the Five Desire versus Bliss and Cross women's tag team match at Clash of Champions. And no one cares about the women's tag team titles. No one cares at all. No one. And this match was built on Mandy calling Nikki ugly. And Nikki won. That's it. That's all. Nothing really to say about that. Both teams are 1-1 victories on each other. So Sunday, we'll see who's the better of the two teams. But honestly, I don't care about this match. I have some hope for the tag team titles. I'll discuss that in my predictions as well, hyping that up as much as I can. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, hit the bell icon for that. Um, I might go live on my main channel with my live predictions on that. We'll see, I'm debating. But I'm going to be using this new channel a lot as well. So, Nikki and Mandy's match was underwhelming to me, in my opinion. Next up was the oddest match of the night. They gave Heavy Machinery the Viking Raiders treatment, which means they fought Jabba's, which is really, really, really out of left field for this team. They really have not faced Jabba's before, to my memory, since being on SmackDown. They've had pretty good matches with um, well-established teams. I can't think of any at the moment. I cannot. I think they faced the Revival. Um, they faced... Uh, Ziggler and Rude are the weekend a very good ending to that gauntlet match that was very underwhelming. Um, and here they just face Jabba's. Um, don't care. Um, I have a machine I'm very behind. Um, Otis, um, I can't pronounce the last name, Dozovic. I think he's, oh, he might just be Otis now. I don't even know no more. But I'm very behind him. He's very charismatic. He's very energetic. Um, Almost polarizing, in my opinion. Not to the Montez Ford level, but just people get behind him and he gets off offense. And I see this team being a good, um, viable contenders for the tag titles in the future, maybe. It'd be entertaining, nonetheless. Speaking of that, the, um, SmackDown Tag Team titles are now on the line Sunday at this, as of this recording. Um, which... Is odd being that I think, yeah, Big E and Woods were the new day are tag team champions. And Woods has been ridden off with injury, Big E's been ridden off with injury, so I guess that's why. And they're focused on Kofi and Randy, that's about it. Um, so yeah, the tag team titles have no um stakes at the show Sunday. Um, having Machine be Jabba's here, I guess they're gonna be fighting the new day next, question mark. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do with that. Do I care about it? I don't know. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Heavy Machine beat a Jabba team? Cool, I guess. Next up is 
a nice confrontation between Eric Rowan and Roman Reigns. Eric Rowan's new music, I dig. I like it a lot. Um, it's very heavy based. Um, it's not like most people's instances. It's very like bassy, very heavy. I like it a lot. But these two brawled all over the place. And in, the ending was in, cool, I think. It was different. Um, Rowan ended up smashing Roman Reigns with the camera um, post. It was one of those like moving cameras type things and just pushed it in his face and Roman hit the post of it. So that was very um, unorthodox, which I liked. Um, these two were facing Class of Champions Sunday. Um, I was not really invested in this match this time last week, but thanks to WWE built Rowan to be a viable threat to Roman very quickly, and I like that. I, how they got here, that story was the most botched story I've seen in a long time. Thanks to Eric Bischoff, LOL. Um, but forgetting the storyline itself, which is easy to do, there's nothing memorable about it, from the last week to last night, They've built Eric and Roman seemingly in two weeks. I am very excited for that match because Roman, I'm curious to see how he's a fair in a singles match because um, he hasn't really had any singles matches much in recent memory. So this will be his first singles match in, in a long time and against Roman Reigns, which means that those who are pushing Roman have a little confidence in him. Um, I wish Luke Harper was involved somehow or will be. I miss Luke Harper. Because he's been, he was always one of my favorites of the Wyatt family group. And it's sad to see him just sitting in the back doing nothing. <coughs> Excuse me. And while I'm cool with Roman getting his push, I wish it was Harper involved or in it as, instead, almost. Because every time you see Luke, uh, Eric Rowan, the thought of Luke Harper has always been coming up, at least in my opinion for that matter. But Roman versus Eric Rowan... Got super heated last night. I'm very excited for that match. And honestly, I'd make that match either a no holds barred or Falcon or anyone match. I would not confine this match to just your standard rules. These two need to be going brawling all the place. This would be a good pace to set for the rest of the show as well, have a chaotic feel to it. So I would make this match a no holds barred or a falls count anyone match. With that, maybe Luke Harper will return and help Eric Rowan, which kind of counter counter asked what I just said. But if they're pushing Rowan as a single star, they should not have him have help in this match. But if it's Luke Harper, I'll be fine. I miss Luke Harper. <clears throat> also, it's reported um, that Daniel Bryan left. Before I get into that, Sanjay Dub appeared on TV last night um, in the brawl with Roman and Eric Rowan. Apparently, this is his second televised appearance, and it's cool to see him. I didn't recognize him at first. Um, someone in the party said that um, he'd be going to 205 Live. I agree. He'd be a great cruiserweight veteran because he helped TNA's X Division immensely. So, I wish he would debut for the company as a wrestler, not just a producer. But anyway, it's reported that Daniel Bryan left um, SmackDown last night um, early. Because he found out he was not being used on the show. That's what reports are saying. And I understand why they didn't do that. But it's, it's also being said that typically people who are not, are not used on the show still don't leave early. So why did he leave? I don't know. But I figured Daniel Bryan would not be on the show 
because he's selling Eric Rowan's attack last week when he put him to the table. Even though it's Madison Square Garden, um, I figured that had been the case because Brian's supposed to be selling for Rowan from last week. So that doesn't surprise me. Him leaving, that doesn't surprise me. So hopefully nothing too bad happened the reason he left. Um, next we had the return of Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens. Uh, they weren't the ones on the show last week, apparently. And Shane talked about that fine that um, he considered it. He's like, I'll lift the fine if you help me out with this. Because, of course, also, Elias is injured. So, Gable had uh, no opponent for the King of the Ring semifinals last night. So, Shane McMahon inserted himself. Yes, I know. Shane McMahon versus Chad Gable was not the match I expected. I, once they announced Elias was injured, I figured Shane would do that. But I didn't know what they, I didn't know to what extent that they would do this with. Shane made Kevin Owens a special guest referee. And he said if he helps him out, he will either I don't know if he said consider again or lift the one hundred thousand dollar fine that he placed on Kevin Owens um a few weeks ago for hitting an official. Now a couple weeks ago I told in the party I, I swore that Shane McMahon lifted the fine. Because I remember Kevin Owens being appreciative in that it's weird as a babyface of a heel helping him out. But I could have sworn Shane um, lifted the fine. I could have sworn. Let me know in the comments below. Is that a um, Mandela effect moment? I swear that Shane um, lifted the fine. But here on SmackDown, he's like, I'll consider it or I'll lift it if you help me in this match. Keep him, and by the end of the night, I will give WWE this. They did a good um, continuity. If played right, if it goes the way I think, then WWE actually did a good continuity-based angle. Just a little spo spoiler for the uh, main event about that. So Shane versus Gable for the King of the Rings semifinals, or Kevin Owens as special guest referee will be the main event. Next up, we had. Uh, Emma Moon face versus Bailey is the heel Bailey. This match was a very good match. It's way better in my opinion than their last championship bout they had. Um, Bailey won, I do believe. I didn't watch this match much. Um, I was doing something, but I think Bailey won with the Bailey belly, if I do remember. Um, and Shaw was on commentary to hype the match. And the way this is going, Shaw's a tween, I'm assuming, and Bailey's trying to just become a full-on heel. Um, their match Sunday, I'm not invested in. Because I am tired of Charlotte Flair in a championship role. And it seems like if she's not in a championship uh, role, either as champion or challenger, they can't book her in a storyline. Because in, in the last two to three years, she's vaguely been out of the A championship picture, either on Raw or SmackDown. It seems like she's she can't survive without a title either on her or being ch or chasing one. But the match Sunday, I know I'm not too invested in. Um, but we'll, I'll do that in my predictions as well. But it's nonetheless, it should be a pretty good match. Um, for this match, we had a, Co a Kofi, the final go-home angle for the Kofi versus Orton match. And what this told me is that Kofi is ready to fight, but he's also is stupid. Stupid, stupid. 
every week since um this feud or since their last encounter, I think it's like SummerSlam, yeah. Um Orton's been Golden Kofi week after week after week, calling him stupid, making fun, talking about his family, his new gay brethren, and all that. And every week, Kofi goes out to him, either gets attacked by him or the revival in Randy. You would figure being the go home angle for this feud that Kofi would be smart and not go, go after Orton. Kofi went after Orton. Even though the revival didn't help him this time, which surprised me, um, Kofi is just, I guess, blind with rage and Randy. And every week he's going after him. But this, the government angle, in my opinion, even though, even though I question Kofi's um, smarts sometimes, um, was a very funny slash effect, very effective um, segment. Because you see Kofi went to meet Randy, and Randy called him with a steel chair shot to the gut. So Randy was waiting, lying and waiting. So again, this is making Kofi look like a stupid, blindly raised champion. But these two balled and balled and balled. <laughs> they had a table set up. It had a cloth on it. I guess to blend in with the background or whatever. And they did. They wanted to create Kofi's boom chop off the um, top of the stairs to, to ready on the table spot from a decade ago. And the botch of the night, the botch of the recent, in recent memory, besides the Charlotte Moon song Raw, <laughs> was... That Randy put Kofi on the table to do whatever with his own version of it. And when Kofi tried to get up, the table broke. The table botched and it broke prematurely. And you can tell they won't prepare for that because they kind of look at each other like, well, what do we do now? So they grab another table that was beside that table and they end up ordering on the table. And Kofi did the boom drop off the top of the stairs, recreating the moment a decade ago. It was a very cool and effective like, um, kind of full circle moment that you think of both persons' careers from the last decade and how far Kofi's come in the recent in recent memory. And in the promo, Orton brilliantly told about their past decade of success, how Randy's been like a seven-time world champion and Kofi's had um, Jamaican accents and power positivity. That was a good little promo about Orton kind of contrasting the two. Um, I am very excited for this Mad Sunday. Um, this feud has picked up a lot in recent weeks, even though it was kind of dry in some parts, with Co with Kofi being um um coerced into getting beat up a lot and getting other people beaten up. Um, the storyline nonetheless is, was very good in my opinion. This feud was a decade in the making and does show how continuity is a factor sometimes. So probably going to be for keeping a decade-long continuity storyline of in effect of sorts. I'm very I'm looking forward to this match. Um, it'd be a good match, I think. It's not gonna be like the match of the night, but the storyline has kept me intrigued for the most part to see this match again. Hopefully that after this, um, Kofi moves on, either as champion or um, not as champion, because like. It was said months ago, there's no rematches, according to the McMahons. <laughs> it's like Taylor with a great assault. But I'm looking forward to this match Sunday. This um, go-home segment for this feud was solid. It could have been better, but it was pretty solid. So after this, we had um, the go the main event, which is Chad Gable with Shane McMahon for the King of the Ring semifinals to win this match with face Baron Corbin. 
Um, Monday, I could have sworn again another Mandela effect, I think, as they said that the winner would face, the, I mean, the two, the finalists from each brand would face off at Class of Champions. But according to last night, they're now doing that Monday. So, I don't know what happened there. But this, <laughs> this match was odd, but I liked it. The match started and Gable hit the rolling um, gentleman out of the corner and beat Shane McMahon. And Shane's like, cut the music. This is a two out of three falls match. Keep in mind Kevin Owens is a special ref. So these two are fighting again through a commercial break. Comes back. And this uh, this has very um, Shawn Michaels and JBL storyline um, aesthetics to it. I can't remember the year, but it might be 2007. Eight, something like that. Um, JBL bought Shawn Michaels and had him doing his dirty work and bidding. That's what Shane was trying to do with Kevin Owens here. Um, and Shane was looking to screw Gable. Um, Shane would do moves and pin him. Kevin would do a fast count on Shane. Uh, Gable kept kicking out um, and all that. It seemed like Kevin Owens was helping Shane win, which is interesting. But the um, finish came. I can't remember exactly how the finish came, but Gable won. He made a Shane tap out to the ankle lock, which is very cool to see. Very good to see. I like Gable a lot. I have no clue what they're doing with the stupid short gimmick of his. I wish they just let Gable be taken seriously and not making shorty jokes like Shane did all night. And also, he needs new music because of the American Alpha being dead years ago. They need to move on from that music and give Gable some new music. Um, Gable wins, beats Shane, beats the best in the world, and he can do that as long as Greg Hilton does, Shane McMahon, twice. So honestly, this sets up Gable for big things. He beat the, he beat the owner, essentially, of SmackDown, twice. After the match, Shane McMahon attacked Kevin Owens and said, Kevin, you're fired. Now, this is what I said earlier, that continuity hopefully will play an effect going forward. Because Shane McMahon attacked Kevin Owens while he was wearing his referee outfit. So, if WWE does not do this, I would be highly upset. Kevin Owens is up suing Shane McMahon, or Vince is, is going to come out Triple H1, and is going to find Shane, I'd say $200,000. That's $100,000 more than Kevin Owens was fined. And this ends up with another match between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. I know, I hate it too. I wish they'd move on from this. But, as far as continuity goes, if they book this like this, bravo. Because it's it was subtle. And think about it, after the fact of huh, Kevin Owens is doing his rep shirt. Shane beat him to a pulp and said, Kevin, you're fired. So while this storyline has no is not exciting nonetheless, I like the little continuity now and then. And this this proves to be continuous, I guess it's a word. And either next week, probably next week on SmackDown, Kevin will come out and sue Shane for beating him up as an official. That's what I'm assuming. And he's um, getting, Shane's him um, getting fined. 
and going from there. Am I excited for what's going to happen? No. But I'm, just, I'm curious to see if WWE will catch this or do this. I'm hoping that's what they're doing. But if they miss this, I give up a smack on Live's creative team. Because this literally wrote itself. While the storyline's underwhelming a lot because of the stupid fine gimmick, um, this makes it a little bit more intriguing to see where they go forward. Hopefully, they go forward in a good direction. Because I am getting tired of the storyline. Hopefully that they breathe new life into it somehow. But yeah, for the, that was SmackDown Live's review. Um, I didn't get a chance to do a top five for the shows this week. I'll bring that back next week, hopefully. And um, yeah, so that was SmackDown Live, the go-home show, the Class of Champions. Very, very underwhelming. Out of five stars, I'd give it three. It was not much building to the show itself. It seemed like a filler show. I'm excited for pay-per-view nonetheless. I think it'd be a good pay-per-view, but this show did not help sell me on much. I'm excited for the Kofi Randy match, and that's literally about it. Um, let me know in the comments below what you think about the show. Did you like it? Did you, did you not like it? Let me know why in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to the Icebook Wrestling YouTube channel. Like us on Facebook. Follow on the podcast. So I'm going to start doing the podcast weekly episodes next week, hopefully. Um, thanks for watching. Oh, and all listening, guys. And I'll talk to you later. <laughs>